The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Thanks for joining us. This is Unity Online Radio. The voice of an awakening world. Discover a positive path for spiritual living. Welcome to Voices of Unity with Rev. Ellen Devonport. And welcome to Voices of Unity. I'm Ellen Devonport. This is a show that invites different New Thought leaders to share their wisdom and expertise so that you can dive deep into spiritual topics and discover new ideas and practices that will enhance your life. Our guests are sometimes unity ministers, but also others who have a body of work. They have something special that they can share. So they're not just one-time guests. They come and stay for several weeks so we can really get into their areas of expertise. Sometimes they talk about unity teaching specifically. Sometimes it's more generally related to spiritual practice. But this current series is hardcore unity, and I'm loving it. Reverend Kelly Isola is back today, and we are on uh, week three of a five-part series about Myrtle Fillmore, Unity's co-founder. So, Kelly, welcome back. Thank you. I'm very happy to be back again. Yeah. We are live on May 7th. If you're listening live, we always love for people to call and ask questions or add their comments. And if not, we'll just talk the whole hour so. We haven't lost, we haven't been unable to do that yet, so. That's true. We haven't run out of things to say about Myrtle. No. So far, we have talked about Myrtle's overall story, which had a lot of elements that I wasn't aware of, and that segued very nicely into last week, which was about Myrtle as a feminist of her day. I don't know that she'd have called herself that. She was a stay-at-home mom, but she was also running unity with Charles. And the more I'm hearing from Kelly, the more I think Myrtle was the leader of this whole thing. And Charles was, you know, also smart and also interested, but basically trying to keep up with her. Or is that too unfair, Kelly? Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yes, it's unfair. uh, Yes, he was trying to keep up. Yes, that's correct. Sorry, there was a little break in the sentence. Yes, it was. uh, uh, He was trying to keep up. And I don't think she did that on purpose at all. I just think she was so, her whole life was so curious that, and such a voracious learner mm-hmm. and um, just, you know, what's next, what's next. And, and just wanted to keep working and learning and evolving and unfolding. And yeah, I think there were times when Charles said, wait, wait. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but he must've loved that about her. Yes. I I don't doubt it. As an entrepreneur, he would have the energy and sort of his beingness would be very similar to that, to, you know, a little bit of risk taking or a little bit of stepping into the unknown or mm-hmm. just kind of always seeking and, and where's the next, the next, you know, juicy thing. I mean, it, you know, as an entrepreneur, real estate business, the next juicy deal, but, you know, flip that over to our spiritual life and into our our own evolving and unfolding and and being more of our most noble self, 
you know, there's that, there is that element of what's the next juicy thing and not always realizing that sometimes the next juicy thing requires hard work, but it's still juicy. <laughs> so today's topic is about healing, which is what people in Unity, I think, most often associate with her. You have, Kelly, warned us not to get into a single story about Myrtle which I would call the myth or the legend of Myrtle. But mm-hmm. the story, even as she wrote it, is that she had been sick all her life. She was 40 years old. The doctors had given up on her, and she seized on this idea that I am a child of God, and therefore I do not inherit sickness. And then over the course of a couple of years, managed to heal whatever it was that was ailing her. And then for the rest of her life, wrote a lot about healing, that we have access to. So is that a fair enough synopsis of what happened? Yes. I just, my only caveat around it is that there's this part of that story is that it was only two years. Okay. Um, But her, her healing journey uh, continued her whole life. Um, We tend to get a little caught up or that, that single story thing is that focusing on like physical healing and, um, you know, and then in two years, ta-da, all done. Mm-hmm. And it, it wasn't wasn't quite that, you know, black and white. Um, and also what she, and she's very clear in things that she writes and that sometimes, you know, there's not a uh, necessarily a time frame. Like if you pray this, if you affirm this, if you, you know, take these steps for healing that it's the physical healing or the cure, little stuck or curing or which is which or are they the same or not but she just she always continued um and i i think i talked about it last week that for me it's that while that the physical healing or curing is important i i never want to lose the other elements of it the emotional healing the psychological the the healing around us you know community relationships the world mother earth because she she talks about all that, just not as often. So there are lots of kinds of healing. Yes. But, but let's start with the difference in healing and curing, because when I came into Unity, I heard that as a catch-22. Oh, well, you'll be healed, but you may not get well. And so yeah. we differentiate between the two. I do, yes. And um, so uh, healing may or may not embody or have the element curing, curing being whatever this physical um, disease or ailment is relieved, you know, is gone. It's it's um, it's no longer there. The disease, the discomfort, the physical ailment is gone. And curing is is generally used in the context of a physical, biological, mm-hmm. um, you know, in the body. No more healing, symptoms. Yes, healing is, at least in our world, and this is where I think we we also have to pay close attention, is that looking at it in the context in which Myrtle was writing, that that healing and curing um, would have more likely been used as synonyms um, in her day. And our day. Um, Sorry? And our day. Well, in our day, but I think a little less. Like because because we have this expanded knowledge around emotional wounds and psychological wounds and spiritual wounds mm-hmm. that healing 
you know, because of the work of people like Young, you know, Carl Young and and you know, so many others that that healing, you know, has expanded. So but in so curing so healing may or may not have the element of curing and I I um very often curing doesn't necessarily have the element of healing in it, which is which is it's kind of um oh how do you how do I it's it's a uh it is almost well you said a catch twenty two so it kind of it kind of is like a catch twenty two like which one is it and which one's better um but it's not a, a necessarily an either or or a better than or less than um and then of course there then there's the added in case this wasn't confusing enough adding in the idea of wholeness mm-hmm. um because she does talk about wholeness but I, I tend to put curing more in the category of um, just physical relief of the physical symptoms of disease and the eradication of the disease. So, but Whereas give me an healing, example of being cured but not healed. Um, I could be cured. Um, so I could have, let's say, I have a um, blockage in my heart, and um, the. You know, it needs. I need to have surgery, so I have surgery, and they they get rid of the blockage. You know, or do a bypass, whatever they do, and the heart is now back to oops. I think we've lost Kelly. Well, she is um, traveling today and said she's somewhere in Arkansas where she set up her computer so she could get into the show. So I'm sure Jeff will try to get her back. Kelly and I have both taught a class called Healing and Wholeness to Unity students, and it's basically what Myrtle and Charles said about healing. And it's a fascinating class, and we address all of these questions in it, uh, usually starting with healing versus curing, and is there a difference, and are they interconnected? But the power of mind over body is pretty much the basis of unity, that and that the power comes from the divine within, make unity a little different from other Christian denominations that were around at the time in the 1880s when unity was forming. And so people are surprised sometimes when we talk about this, that health is not the absence of disease. Health and disease are not opposites, which is a paradox, but what it means is you can you can be healed without getting well, and that's what we were talking about. You can heal and still die, but when you think about it, we all know examples of that. So, for instance, uh, granddad has a heart attack, and the whole family gathers, and there's a lot of healing and forgiveness that goes on with it, and... He dies in the end, but things are so much better because of the experience. So that's what we mean by healing, that kind of emotional healing, relationship healing that may not be physical healing. And some of the most touching stories that our students tell are around something like that. There was a death, but there was also a lot of healing around it and a lot of peace and forgiveness around it. Uh, To the point that, because I love principle three, that our thoughts have creative power, I wouldn't be surprised if somehow that was part of the plan that 
this heart attack would draw everybody together. There are other ministers who would scold me about that, and I can hear them in my head right now. I'm not saying it happened in order that the healing take place, but it happened as the healing took place. I really need Kelly to help me talk about this because she would probably see it differently. So, Jeff, are we close to getting her back? Do you know? Okay. So not yet. So what Myrtle talked about in all of her writings is threefold healing, that it's body, mind, and spirit. So body is only one of the places where we heal. Mind and spirit are mm, probably elements of much more important healing that may or may not be reflected in the body. Some of you are familiar with Abraham Hicks. Abraham says, once something has manifested, it's a lot harder to get rid of than it is when it's still in thought form, which is why unity pays so much attention to what are your thoughts? What are you thinking? Now, this is where also where we get into trouble because it can sound like we're saying, well, you're sick because your thoughts were out of order. And actually, Myrtle says some things very much like that that I want to ask Kelly about when we get her back that there is something spiritually off in your consciousness if you are sick. And it sounds very harsh, and it's one of the ways unity gets in trouble, and it's one of the reasons people have backed away from the principle that our thoughts have creative power, because someone with cancer doesn't want to think they created it, and we don't want to say they did. Uh, So... So hang on for a minute, and let's see if we can get Kelly back. She says she's trying to call back in. Um, excuse me while I text with her. I'm going to see if she can just get in by phone. It won't sound as good, but it might work. Okay, here we go. She may be in a place without good connections. Hello? There you are. Yeah, I don't know what happened. I don't either. Are you on your phone? Well, Jeff texted me to call this phone number. It won't, the the tipsy won't let me in. Oh, well, I can hear you, so you must be on the air. Okay. Okay. Sorry. So now everyone knows. (laughs) Yeah. So let us resume. I have ad-libbed as much as I can. Okay. I don't know where you lost me. I apologize. We were talking about healing versus curing and that it is kind of a catch-22. And I went on to start on the threefold healing, body, mind, and spirit, and, and that along those lines, the body may not be what heals, and the mind and spirit are more important anyway. And then I had uh, gotten into, do we create our own disease? So this this is where I need you. Okay. <laughs> so I, I was, I don't know where I dropped off. Uh, I was using the example of someone with, you know, heart disease and having surgery. Yes. You know, the heart may be the blockage cured, is but removed. The healing, but... Yeah, but the healing and, and how, 
you know, I, I treat my body and how I speak to myself and the thoughts I hold and how I treat people as part of that whole healing to more of a wholeness, you know, the entire being. Mm-hmm. So um, that was kind of where I was going. I was on a good roll, but I don't know where I dropped off. Um, so um, you, you dropped off about there. You can remove okay. the blockage, but you may not heal what's really ailing the heart. Right, and what's ailing the body and what, what may be the underlying elements that, that brought this ease to the heart in the first place, mm-hmm. you know, individually and collectively. And then your question was um, uh, us creating disease. Yeah, because Myrtle talked so much about the power of mind over body. And I believe she flat out said, if you're sick, there's something wrong in your consciousness. And people do not like to hear that. And even unity ministers back away from the principles because they don't want to be telling anybody they created their own illness. Right. Well, it's it's not – what she says is that there is always a mental cleanse. She says a mental cleansing is necessary for healing. And that it begins, you know, in in uh, disease certainly has roots in our thinking, and where uh, you know this is one of those things also that that I that has this eternal tension, the giant paradox. In in so far as I also I'm not going to be somebody that says you caused your disease, mm-hmm. and because um, that's if I just say that flat out, it's just mean and cruel and rude and not necessarily entirely true Mm -hmm. and I certainly contribute to it Um, and for healing there does need to be a mental cleansing I'll go back to we've talked about it before Myrtle's work was to speak first and foremost forgiveness to all the cells in her body yeah Um, you know and, and that's one of the most powerful things we can do and when she talks about needing a cleansing for there to be healing like it's not really optional I believe that's that's you know the the starting place. Um, now, uh, whatever the disease is that 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 I may be um, suffering with, um, that's always going to be a step in 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 my curing or healing um, journey. Where I think we can get into trouble with it is when we try to make it really black and white um, in terms of if you you know, that you're solely responsible for the physical ailment you have because there, for me, there is no way to ignore the collective consciousness. Um, there are certainly people walking around with ailments that are environmentally induced that because of what we've done to Mother Earth, there are, you know, illness and carcinogens and, and garbage floating around in the air that that we are taking into our bodies. And that being so, I, I, there's always that, that element of collective consciousness that, that creates the world I'm in. And I can't necessarily do anything about collective consciousness except for my contribution to it. So I'm always still going to come back to I. Um, but it's for me, it's not solely that. But she's very clear that it is, um, you know, there's – that it is uh, – we are responsible. We are individually responsible for our experience. We are individually responsible for our healing. Uh, and it's 
healing, what that healing looks like doesn't necessarily mean 100% cured. You know, healing can be, and I could be a whole lot better than I was three years ago, but I may not be at a place where I was five years ago in terms of healing from something or, or mm-hmm. you know, putting my life back together after, you know, illness. But it doesn't mean that there wasn't healing. It's, it's again, one of those catch-22s is what does healing, how do you define healing? Is it 100% of something? You know, like it, it, we talk about healing as though it's a quantity of something. And like who decided what the quantity or enough, you know, it's like this enoughness question. And, um, and how do we decide what that enough is? Which is why I think she also says from time to time that she's less concerned about the outcome or the results and more concerned about the shift in your consciousness that will make the results abiding, whatever mm-hmm. those results are. Mm-hmm. Um, she's pretty practical. And she's pretty, um, she's, we've talked about this too, the mathematics, her mathematical equation. You know, you do this and you do this and you do this. Um, and it's not really, there isn't much gray area in terms of your process, you know, or, or how you go about practicing healing and, you know, cleansing of the thoughts. Because that's the big thing is this, she says over and over the mental cleansing, mental cleansing. But she she does talk about how you treat your body and what you eat. Um, she does tell people in letters, you know, about you know, well, are you eating lemons or are you eating your oranges? Are you getting enough of um, this type of fruit to offset the vegetables or the proteins or sweets or fats? Like she does, she does talk about. Um, it's almost like one letter I read recently was, I'm like, oh, she's a dietitian now, you know, because she's, she's actually, and it's common sense, you know, but she's pointing out, are you eating this? Are you eating that? And why not? And, um, you know, and you got to remember that when a hundred plus years ago, oranges were not in Missouri, were not as, you know, or wherever the person's writing from Oregon or something, were not as easy to come by as mm-hmm. for us today. We just go to the local store. Right. Um, I didn't know that. I didn't know that she, my sense of it is that the mind, body, spirit was pretty light on body that she did most of the, I mean, I've I've read where she says, get rest and exercise and fresh air and eat healthy food. Okay. But Mm -hmm. most of it was a consciousness shift. Yeah. But she, um, she does, um, she doesn't, we don't hear as much about the body um, however, she does, you know, in the healing letters, when she talks about threefold healing, um, she does, uh, in some of her meditations, she invites you into speaking to your body, to the, you know, parts of your body. It's not like she lists every body part, but she's very clear about talking physically to the physical cells. Um, and, um, um, uh, she does, um, I don't, I haven't read a lot where she talks about, you know, weight necessary. Mm-hmm. Um, um, but she does in terms of, you know, what you're eating or how often she does talk about sleep. She mentions sleep periodically. Um, and I think she, uh, she also, when she talks about, you know, what you're doing in terms of your job 
it, she often refers to it in terms of your mental happiness, you know, your psychological happiness or fulfillment or, you know, does it have meaning? Uh, but she also, you know, talks, points to periodically how your body is, you know, with the job that you're doing. Like if you sit all day or, you know, uh, you know, how maybe, you know, what you're, if you're lifting heavy things or, um, you know, but just what you're doing with your body. But yeah, there is less attention to it in most of the things that you read, but she does, um, she does point to it. Um, mm. And I, I just, this, that last letter about, you know, well, are you eating this and are you eating that? And are you, you know, balancing it with this and this? And I even chuckled when she said balancing it with your proteins and your vegetables and your sweets and your fats. <laughs> so she wasn't saying don't eat those things. Uh-huh. She just want, you know, were you having a balance? And I thought, ooh, I have permission for sweets every once in a blue moon. <laughs> <laughs> I'm pretty sure that's what she was saying, but I liked it. <laughs> I think of Myrtle as as being just naturally moderate in all things. I yes, I would agree. Um, while she has a has a very intellectual bent <clears throat> and very curious and wanting to learn, um, she does. Um, I believe that too. There is a moderation. In fact, she, I'm in in some in healing letters, the healing letters book. There are times when she talks, especially in the threefold healing letters. She, when she talks about the mind, she's talking about the intellect, and she does encourage people to to um, she when she says intellectual, you know, when she's talking about healing, it's not just about cleansing the thoughts, you know, the, the mental chatter and, and cleaning that out and, and noticing what we're thinking. She's also encouraging you to, to gain knowledge, to, to gain understanding, to expand your learning. Um, she, she does, when she talks about um, um, the spiritual science and, and um, you know, healing and our practice, is she's you know she she equates it to mathematics and the first thing she says is a perfect understanding to understand mathematics and to understand the how spiritual science works she equates those two the first step is to have a perfect understanding of its fundamental principles and what she's talking about is the intellect you know that you need to have understand how this works and and to go you know learn and read and be in conversation um oops it's break time So when we come back, I want to start right there about how do you heal yourself and where does the healing come from? So this is Ellen Devonport with Reverend Kelly Isola. We'll be back with Voices of Unity after this. You're listening to Unity Online Radio. Voice of an Awakening World. If you've been inspired by the programming on Unity Online Radio, we hope you will give your support so others may be inspired too. This online radio network depends on the support of listeners like you to continue operating and expand its outreach. Go to unityonlineradio.org and click on Donate today. Here's a Unity Wisdom Moment with Eric Butterworth. 
So we're always into this thing called time. It's very hard to free ourselves from the pressure and the limitations and the boundary lines which time sets down. So that in partial experience, in human consciousness, we have what we call deadlines, which are an abomination in human experience. But in the whole of things, we have only alive lines. We live in eternity, and time is always now. In the eternal of you, there is a completed whole, there's a finished kingdom, and all that you do and seek to do is always complete in infinite mind. And as we say, it can be done in a twinkling of a second, or it can be done in hours, it can be done in days, or we can stew and fret about it all of our lives. In God, it is now done. To hear more talks from Eric Butterworth, visit truthunity.net. Follow UnityOnlineRadio.org on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, and stay up to date with everything Unity. Become a fan by clicking the like button. You can join in with a Facebook Live event, or just like and share our inspirational messages and posts. Be the first to find out about any big special guests on the radio, giveaways, or events at Unity Village. Make sure you leave any questions or comments about Unity programming. We want to hear from you. Did you know you can reach Unity's 24-7 prayer ministry online? You don't even have to give your name to know the prayers have begun for you or those you love. Someone has been praying around the clock at Silent Unity since 1890, and every request is taken into prayer for 30 days. Why not let us pray with you, too? To submit your prayer request to Silent Unity online, go to unity.org and click on prayer, or call 816-969-2000. Is life getting you down? Don't worry, choose happy. Join Dr. Marissa Pay every Thursday at 2 p.m. Central and get ready to shift your outlook. Dr. Marissa is an organizational psychologist and life balance coach who will help you to process the tough stuff. Get real-life strategies you can use today to experience more hope and happiness. Call in and join the live show or listen later on demand only on unityonlineradio.org, the voice of an awakening world. Call now with your question or comment. 816-251-3555. That's 816-251-3555. Thanks for joining us. Welcome back to Voices of Unity with Reverend Ellen Devonport. We're here today with Reverend Kelly Isola. Kelly, while we have a quick break, tell people how they can find out more about you. You have a website. I do. It's kellyisola.com, K-E-L-L-Y-I-S-O-L-A.com. And um, we agreed in the first show, I think, that you have a, a bio that is wide-ranging and nearly impossible <laughs> to describe. So if you all want to know more about Kelly, you can go read about her. But she is a Unity Minister. Uh, if you need that credential. And she has done a whole lot of work on Myrtle Fillmore, the published writings and the unpublished ones. And so she's my go-to source for anything about Myrtle. And Myrtle wrote a lot about healing, and that's what we're talking about. So did she have a process? I mean, you've compared it to mathematics. So are there particular steps you can just go through for healing? Um, yeah, there's a, a couple of different methods to my madness um, that all come from Myrtle. I I don't. I sometimes have read what people have written as though 
that as though this was the Myrtle process. And I'm not convinced that she had one. I think she had a few different things that she did. And I think like you and I, she evolved her practice Mm -hmm. um, over time. So the first one around the mathematics is, is that first of all, understanding fundamental principles, which is, you know, understanding like learning and just understanding even whatever the fundamental principles are, then, you know, what is the nature of disease or the nature, you know, the, the fundamentals of the body. And then the second one is, you know, pure and unbiased reasonings. So that's an, you know, an invitation to notice. Uh, I have a lot of biased reasonings wandering around in my head. Uh, I have, you know, I think like the rest of us have this, we have an operating system that gives lots of chatter. Mm-hmm. So, you know, to say, so for me, a biased reasoning would be to say something that is, you know, not very kind about my body. You know, I'm overweight, so it's easy at times to, to say nice, you know, not nice things about my body and how it's in the way. But that's not pure and unreasoned. So then, the, you know, the invitation is to, to, to notice the, how I think, and it's Myrtle's way of, you know, the mental cleansing. And then, and then what is the, the pure and unbiased reasoning about my body? And then she said the third step is the ability to demonstrate every statement. And that is a whole lot harder work. You know, it's one thing to have a thought that that my body supports me and and is, you know, whole and healed. But now what does that look like in demonstration? And that's where I think, uh, you know, the rubber hits the road. The other thing that she does, um, she says about healing is that um, she refers to it as um, a two-step process mm-hmm. uh, in another place. And she says step one is to believe. And step two is to be open and receptive to the healing stream of life. So when I, so step one is to believe. And my question, so when I, you know, and when I'm teaching this, I always ask the students to believe, you know, believe what? Yeah. You know, it's, and my biggest question around that is, okay, am I, and then as I listen to what students say about believe, well, believe that there can be healing or believe a curing or believe that, you know, I won't always feel this way or to whatever, you know, believe there's one presence and one power, believe that, that I am divine and, and these divine principles are active in my life, whatever the students say, what I then, my next question to them is, so are you believing in process or are you believing in outcome? And of course, and which one's better? Mm. And of course, you know, there's this, you can hear crickets yeah. <laughs> um, when you ask the question. Um, because I, I think for me, when I read what she writes, there are times when she's, it seems clear, believing in outcome. And yet at other times, it's, it sounds more like believing in process. Mm-hmm. Um, so that the outcome is, is, is what it is. And it may be exactly what I believe in, or it may be close to it or something I never even imagined. So I, you know, it's probably not helpful to not answer that question. Am I believing in process or am I believing in outcome? For me, the healing, you know, to return to a sense of wholeness, um, I think is I'm doing a a paradoxical dance between both. Um, and where am I in this, this journey? There are many times when I need to step into believing in process that I, that I can, you know, um, care for my body, that I can spend time speaking words of forgiveness to my body, that I can, you know, 
pause and notice the chatter in my brain, you know, what we call a monkey mind. That I, and those are all processed. Um, and then there's other times that I need to know that, that how I am today or how I'm feeling today or what's amiss in my life today is not always going to be this way. And then in that moment, it's more of a belief and outcome. Um, but then step two is being open and receptive to the healing stream of life. Um, you know, I'll ask students, I'll ask somebody, you know, so what is that, you know, healing stream of life, mm-hmm. that stream of healing life? What is that? And of course, I get the question, you know, the, the, the responses are, well, it's love and it's life and it's joy and it's compassion, all those things that, that we enjoy feeling that uplift us, inspire us. And, I, and then I ask, well, what about everything else in life um, that, that comes along our way? And so for me, the stream of healing life is just are the things that go on in life that ultimately our joys and our sufferings are our wholeness. So, so a stream of healing life is, is what goes on in my life and working with it and being with it so that I begin to see how it's for me, not something that is against, that I'm trying to push away or it's against me. Because the more I push against it, the more attention you wind up giving it. Mm-hmm. So, um, so that being open and receptive to the stream of healing life is being open to, to, to what goes on in life. Um, the things that I write in front of me that I certainly have more control and power in my world, as well as the things that are further beyond my reach that are more of a collective consciousness thing. Okay, so I'm imagining somebody listening to this who's who is currently sick in some way, mm-hmm. and saying, mm-hmm. "Just tell me how to feel better." What do I do? Yeah. So my first statement would be uh, the first. So the first place I go in terms of this, like a Myrtle kind of thing, is what I what I've come to decide is that the things in my life that are where I'm upset, I'm frustrated, I'm angry, I'm hurt, I'm sad. They they're all things that are crying out for attention. And so rather than try to ignore the pain, rather than trying to ignore the frustration, the anger, I'll go to it, I'll ask, I'll go towards it. And by that, I mean, I can just stop and ask my body, and this is my threefold healing thing, is ask my body, where do I feel this in my body? And, and I have to be still long enough to listen to it. And this is, this is Myrtle's, Myrtle's thing about, um, she says repeatedly to people over and over and over to, to go you know, into your own closet, right? To go into your own quiet space. Mm-hmm. She says, and she says to really touch that department of your being that gives your soul a chance to expand and blossom. You know, we often read it as that secret place of the most high, right. but she refers to it as this, this silent, quiet closet so that your soul has a chance to expand and blossom. So the first thing I say is, well, where do you feel that, that pain, that suffering in your body? Connect to it and be still with it. And then I go, then I move into sort of the mind piece and I ask my body, well, you know, if I feel it, say in my knees, that's where, even if there's nothing wrong with my knees, if that's where the discomfort is, is shouting out from, well, then I ask, what do you need? Which is a a kind of a thinking mental kind of thing. What is it that you need and allow the body to respond. And then I move into the, you know, the speaking words of forgiveness, speaking words of kindness, speaking words of love, um, which, um, allows 
allows the, you know, as she said, the soul to expand and blossom. She says in, in one place that if you feel it in your body, it's irresistible to the soul. So if I can feel, if I can speak words of forgiveness to where the body is saying, this is where I'm feeling the suffering, the pain, the grief, the sadness, the whatever, the illness, and I can speak words to it of kindness, then it becomes irresistible to the soul. Now it becomes generative, right? And generative means life-giving. Generative means to, to new life is blossoming, new life is evolving, new life is, is coming on board, whether that new life is curing a disease or that new life is a change in in my own attitude, a change in my own ability to be kinder, a change in my ability to heal relationships, a change, you know, in showing up more as my, my higher self, my most noble self, my Christ self. I think probably my favorite thing that Myrtle wrote is the, the long passage about how she spoke to her body. Yes. And she... First, she uses denials and affirmations. So, you know, my body is not sick and weak and all the things that she had called it. Uh, It is, you know, alive and energetic. And she does that organ by organ. She goes through her body Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. describes it. And I love her vocabulary. It's just these vivid words that she's using to describe the healthy function of each organ. And then she gets right. to the forgiveness part. And mm-hmm. she asks, she doesn't forgive her body for being sick. She asks forgiveness from her body for having right. blamed it and hated it and been so frustrated with it for not being as healthy as yep. she thought it should be. I love that. Yeah, for not functioning the way I think you should. Mm-hmm. Right. It's, a, it's, it's not unlike how we forgive, you know, people. And um, the two-year... The two-year process is actually comforting to me that it was not an overnight yeah. thing, and yeah. if it was, it was an ongoing, lifelong thing. Yes, to to keep being connected to her body. So, as intellectual yeah. as she was, and as educated as she was for a woman, um, she was not entirely in her head. No, no, it just became it became a a practice. Like an unconscious, you know, when you learn something new and, and you, you know, it takes a while to consciously be, um, you know, good at it. You know, you have to think about doing it and then it becomes unconsciously, you know, very, you know, skilled. It just becomes part of your being mm-hmm. and how you do. Um, and um, and whenever, you know, it's an ongoing practice. I know I do a similar kind of thing when I realize what I'm thinking is, is something unkind about myself. I, it's not about, it's, it's that forgiveness process. It's noticing, um, you know, it's not, my body didn't do this. It's not like it woke up one day and decided to, you know, be mean to me. Um, you know, it just isn't. So I'm the one who has to, you know, mentally, thoughtfully, um, forgive myself for thinking unkindly about something that's, kind of neutral in a way that didn't set out to wound me, you know? Mm-hmm. You said something about this is how we forgive people. Yeah. Say more about that. Well, I think it's, uh, we often, um, I, I think in large part we have uh, 
hurt feelings and um, anger and frustration at people whose intention, who didn't have an intent, you know, they didn't set out to, to harm us or wound us or be cruel or say something that where our feelings get hurt. I think most of, most of the, um, the forgiveness that goes on that for me that goes on with people is because they said something or did something and I made it mean, uh, I made it mean that they were being unkind or thoughtless. And, and when I realized they're just being who they are, I, you know, it's just like the body. It's this neutral thing. I, I, I practice the forgiveness of not so much of them, but of me for thinking unkind thoughts about them. Which doesn't mean that there aren't people out there that do really, you know, physically hurt us or are cool with their words. But I'm talking generally. Right. You know, for the, for generally speaking in our life, we carry a lot of resentment that if you actually went to the other person and told the little story, they'd go, they either wouldn't remember the story or they'd have no idea at all that you walked away from it with, with sadness or yeah. hurt. Yes. So, okay, where does healing come from? Yeah. I, I assume the answer is God in some form. Myrtle talks a lot about well, the father. Yeah, she and and the, the father is the um you know, the, the Christ within while while, you know, both Charles and Myrtle periodically use language about, you know, go to the father, um, you know, or go to God as though this outside entity, um, what you know, what what in many other places they're referring to, you know, going to principle. Um, and using that principle, so the you know the, the source of healing is is principle. Um, the source of healing is our connection to that principle. Um, it's not. It's um, you know mm. I'm just not. I'm really as I'm saying this, I'm like it's just not a real good black and white answer. But the first place is <laughs> that source of healing is is principle. Like that's the starting place. Principle of to that principle of what? God. God is principle. When we say there's one presence and one power, we're talking principle, not not uh, you know somebody up in a cloud in a white robe with a big gold G on it. Um, but we're saying that that source um, that is that we are a limited manifestation of. Mm-hmm. You know, this we we use the word infinite possibilities. Frankly, I think would be a a little our healing would be a little bigger, a little more expanded, a little you know uh, evolved if we actually. Sometimes I think we think of God like God is too big. <laughs> that if we if that if we were able because we talk about God as principle, as infinite possibilities, as source, as you know divine potential, which is all true, and we need to limit that like in order to make it manifest here in in you know physical form in manifestation in our actions in our you know our outcomes are here on earth i am a limited form of this infinite potential and um so is disease um and so i i think if i can you know for me personally when i can move into you know, maybe God is, I wrote about this a couple months ago, maybe God is too big. Um, all I mean is that I can get lost in that bigness, but Myrtle helps me bring it down to go to source 
capital S, go to principle, you know, use that principle, which is whatever I'm focusing on is this principle that I need to focus on. Um, love or life? Is it joy? Is it compassion? Is it faith? Is it imagination? Um, is it, you know, understanding? Is it what, you know, what, what form, limited form of this infinite potential or infinite possibility am I looking to bring into my life to make active? I don't know if that makes sense. Okay. Um, yeah, I also wanted to ask you about mass consciousness, because I think we are just swimming in an ocean of belief in illness. Yep. And Myrtle, what what I see Myrtle saying is, stop believing in it. Stop believing in illness and disease and aging. She talks a lot about aging, too. And But we're just bombarded with it. I mean, television commercials and conversations and just this assumption that everybody will be sick from time to time and then we will get old and decrepit and then we'll die. How much of an effect do you think that's having on the fact that we do get sick and and decrepit? I think it has a huge impact. You're bombarded with it enough and you believe it. I, you know, whatever you get bombarded with in your life, you, you take on, Mm -hmm. um, I, you know, I use the, this may be an extreme example, but I use the Dalai Lama as an example. You know, if from the day I was born, I was treated as the Dalai Lama was, where I was, you know, um, there was prayer and meditation and affirmations and, and told, you know, that the goodness that I am, you know, the inherent goodness and wholeness and divinity that I am, I probably would have turned out a little differently. <laughs> um but that wasn't my experience. You know, uh-huh. we, we get bombarded with with all of this, um, you know, and I'm one little entity in this huge, you know, uh, playground. And I think all of what we've going on around us absolutely impacts us. And that's, you know, why we need each other. And that's why I think she talks about pure and unbiased reasoning. Um, you know, is it pure and unbiased? Um and so I, you know, I can't stay. I have people who say, no, I never, ever watch the news. And I don't think that's the answer. Mm-hmm. However, I think I have to watch the news a little bit to stay in touch because, you know, spiritual communities are looking to, you know, ministers for some leadership. How do I, how do I deal with, you know, with the violence I see? How do I deal with the illness that I see? How do I deal with the poverty I see through the lens of my faith? Mm-hmm. And how do I stay out of the mass consciousness? Yeah, so I I be in the world, but not of it, um, as Jesus said. And um, I'm I'm never not going to be in mass consciousness because I'm one of those little pieces that makes up mass. And so now we come back to that favorite word in unity, discipline. Um, Hmm. I think why Myrtle was so disciplined is you do this over and over and you repeat it because she knew that you're going to bump up against this, what they used to call, you know, race consciousness. Um, but this mass consciousness that at times is kind of ugly. Mm-hmm. So what do you do about it? How do you respond to it? Well, you take, you do your thing. You, you do your work. You go to source. You go to that closet that she talks about, that secret place. And you commune with that, with God mind that she says. 
um, so that as you move forth and you come back out into the world, right? Because I can't say it's easy to be spiritual in a cave, um, but I have to go back out into the world. But I go back out into the world as someone who is congruent in body, mind, and spirit. Mm-hmm. So there are a couple of specific things that Myrtle said contribute to healing. One is gratitude. One is service. I think we're doing all of next week's show about service. Yes. But she talked about joy as as part of healing, too. Joy and thanksgiving. Yep. Yes. She, uh, I love that. Um, and, And gratitude. She, you know, that she used that from the um, from the chapter from James in the the Christian Testament. Count it all joy, um, and she, uh, she used that repeatedly. Count it all joy, which doesn't mean to ignore things and to look at the world through rose-colored glasses, uh, but count it all joy, um, as these things in life are for us, if we can, you know. Stop making them the enemy. Stop othering them, and stop trying to push them away. But, but, because um, when we do, when you do that, when you try to push it away and you make it the other, you're actually giving it power. It pushes so you're back. Sort of negate. You're you're pushing back, and you're giving it power, as opposed to this is what's you know. So you can't say you know I deny X Y Z has any power over me because the minute you say it that way, you're saying it has power which now I've just negated the idea that there's one presence and one power. I've just now made another one. So, uh, you know, we're giving it power when we try to push something away or um, to, you know, deny its, you know, reality in, in my radar system. So, but to count it all joy and to, you know, she talks about how Paul says, you know, to give thanks in all things. It's not give thanks for all things, but to give thanks in all things. Right. Um, no and part of her on. body, you know, giving the forgiveness part of her work and, and speaking, you know, the denial, the affirmation and forgiveness in the body is also giving thanks. You know, you got me, my body got me from point A to point B. Um, giving thanks. It's that there's this fullness in life that, that we acknowledge and um, give thanks for. And I don't, I'm a, I'm a, big fan of just find, you know, find something to give thanks for in my day without it being like I I set myself, I can't use what I used earlier today or I can't use something from yesterday. Like Uh I need to find something different. Um, It becomes a discipline because it can be, it's also something that can become too rote. I'm thankful for this. I'm thankful for that. I also use my own sort of phrases. I use thanks and um, gratitude is two different things. So thanks is to, to mentally acknowledge can appreciate, you know, this, like right now, it's 75 degrees, blue sky, there's a breeze, it's beautiful out, sitting in the shade, you know, this works, you know, and I can feel the appreciation, um, but then the gratitude, and, and let me show the world what it means to me, meaning now I need to take a step to bring the thanks to life, um, and I think that's what she did in her life, mm-hmm. that she had this thanks and had this gratitude for, for the healing, the physical healing for, you know, doing prayer work, for doing, you know, having passion around something and and following it and and putting into practice what she knows works, that you can heal the world a prayer at a time. I don't think she thought about she was doing that, um, but that's 
how it looks for me, one prayer at a time, you can heal the world. Yeah, although we, I think we said before in her letters, she made it very clear to people she was not healing them. Right. They had work to do. Absolutely. Yeah. And she also, the other thing, in almost every single letter that, I don't know if it's every, I, I don't know if I can comfortably say absolutely every single one, but every letter that I recall looking at, and I can pull it, she starts it off with giving thanks to the person for writing. Hmm. She thanks them for writing mm-hmm. and and acknowledges the, their prayer requests and thanks them for that. Um, and then, of course, she reminds them they also, yes, we'll pray, and you have work to do. <laughs> <laughs> We're very grateful, and you have work to do. Yeah. Um, well, <laughs> we'll have more work to do as well. Uh, we'll be back next week with Kelly Asilla again. We'll talk more about how Myrtle connected serving others to healing, which I think is really interesting. So anyway, much more to say. This is Ellen Devonport with Voices of Unity. We'll be back next week. Thank you for listening to Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Hello, I'm Dr. Stephen Farber, and I'm an author, teacher, psychotherapist, and shamanic practitioner. On my podcast, Healing for Your Soul, I welcome some amazing guests and introduce you to some healing techniques like earth magic, working with nature and animals, and really getting to the heart of what is keeping you stuck. I want to help you deepen your spirituality and let go of blocks that are holding you back. Let me help you in this journey called life. Part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Subscribe and follow wherever you get your podcasts so you don't miss an episode.